0: Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hey, my name is Stephen Bailey. I get to be one of the pastors here at Greenville First, specifically the youth pastor. And I want to say thank you so much for coming uh, in person today as well as for every single person who is joining with us and worshiping with us online. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Um, If it's your first time here at Greenville First or maybe it's your first time in a long time, we would love to get connected with you. I know sometimes going to church, a uh, new church for the first time, can feel kind of awkward. You don't really know how to get connected. You don't really know where to go. And uh, we would love to be able to help you out with that. Uh, if you're seated anywhere but the front row, there's a seat or there's a seat back in front of you. There's a connection card. That would be your gift to us to complete that card. You can take it to either one of our connection centers in the lobby or in the courtyard after service. And there's also some boxes on the back wall you can drop. Those in But church family, can we give it up for our first-time guests today? Can we just make some noise for them? Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Friendly reminder today that next week, Sunday, August 15th, we're going to be having a a special moment in our services, a little bit of back-to-school prayer. We're going to be praying for our teachers and our administrators and our students. So if you're a teacher, student, or administrator, or if you can spell any of those words, we'd love to have you here next Sunday, August 15th. We're going to spend some time. And prayer is it's going to be great. And then also, I wanted to let you guys know that our new worship pastor is in town. And I don't know if you noticed him or not, but he was actually, yeah, Will Somerville. You may have not noticed, but he was actually tearing it up on the drums this morning. So next week, he's going to be leading, leading us. Uh, he and his family are, are here. Make sure you get to know him. He's a great guy. I've known him for several years. And he really loves the Lord. And he loves the church. Um, and so make sure you make him feel right at home. And I trust trust that you will. Thank you for uh, coming to service today. Thank you for Pastor Josh and Britt for allowing me to share. Uh, It's my honor to be with you today. Uh, The title of my sermon is uh, The Ingredients of Prayer, The Ingredients for Prayer. And simply put, prayer is just talking with God, talking with Jesus. And today I want to explain a very familiar passage to you known as the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be going through how Jesus uh, taught us how to pray. He says, this is how you should pray, and he goes into the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be talking about that, that. and I specifically want to encourage those of you like me in the room that have often struggled with prayer. Uh, I'm the type of pastor, I I never want to come up here and preach something uh, and then live completely differently. So I I, I want to be honest. I'm always honest, but today I want to be uh, just exceptionally honest And let you know that even as a pastor, my my whole life, I've actually struggled with prayer. Um, I'm a very task oriented person. Uh, I'm a doer. I struggle with being a human being. I I, I try, you know, I'm more like a human doer. You know, I I just always get stuff done. I'm the type of person, I have a to do list. And sometimes on my to do list, there's a line that says, make another to do list for this other thing, okay? I just, I love getting things done, I love getting things accomplished. Uh, For me, I would rather uh, do things for God than necessarily sit with God. And this is something I've struggled with my my whole life because when it comes time for prayer, uh, oftentimes I I do it because I know that I'm supposed to, but then I go on and I do these other things. And the older that I've gotten and the the more time I've spent with God, uh, I've realized that prayer forces me to realize that who I am is not what I do. Who I am is who I am in Christ, okay? And so I want to encourage those of you in the room today, that maybe you feel like me and you say, hey, prayer is great and everything. I know I'm supposed to do it, but I really, like, I'm just a worker. Like, I just like to do stuff. You can still have an incredible relationship with God and have an intimacy with God and not spend hours every single day in prayer. I just want to encourage you with that. Growing up, I felt I thought you had to have a prayer closet, and I thought you had to pray for two hours a day, and I thought when you prayed you had to list all of your needs to God because if you didn't list all your needs, that he wouldn't know them. And uh, I I do want to be clear, there's nothing wrong with praying for a long amount of time. I've done it before. It's awesome. There's nothing wrong with having a prayer closet or a prayer room, or you may be blessed to have a prayer house, praise the Lord, Uh, all right? There's nothing wrong with having a specific place to pray, but I want to encourage you today, just because you don't, doesn't mean that you're not devoted to God. I've always struggled with prayer myself, but I, I want to begin today by asking you this question, have you ever done the right thing the wrong way? the right thing the wrong way. I want to give you a couple of, uh, examples of this. Um, have you ever asked a teenager to clean a bathroom before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're doing the right thing, but sometimes they just don't know how to do it the, the right way, okay? And you may say, how do you know this? You don't have teenagers. Well, let me tell you something. I took your teenagers to summer camp this year. <laughs> And I'm very proud to say, I'm proud to say this. They, they give out an award for the cleanest cabin, okay? Every single day they give out an award for the cleanest cabin. And, uh, and on the guys' side and on the girls' side, so there's five guys' cabins, five girl cabins. And I was at camp for two weeks, middle school camp and, and, uh, and high school camp. And so we had, I think we had like six opportunities to get the cleanest cabin award. And I'm proud to say that our guys uh, got it five out of the six days that we were at camp. Yeah. But I tell you, it was a learning experience for both of us because uh, I just thought everybody knew that when you mop the floor, you should sweep it before you mop it. Like, I just thought, I just thought that was common sense, you know? Like, like they, they were trying their best to do the right thing, but oftentimes they were going about it the wrong way. I, as you know, you have to sweep the floor before you can mop the floor, okay? Um, you can do the right thing the wrong way, like, um, like eating grits, okay? We're Southerners. A lot of folks like grits. Like, eating grits, it's a good thing. You, you may even say it's the right thing. But when you add sugar to it, it's just like you're doing the right thing. You're just doing it the wrong way. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's like cheering for your favorite football team. Hey, that's awesome. That's right. But then you cheer for the Clemson Tigers. You know, it's like (laughs) we're going to have some fun today. Hey, seriously, though, uh, you need to pray for me because I'm really into college football and my Georgia Bulldogs open the season against Clemson. And I just don't know that we're going to make it. I just don't know. So I'm trying to, like, keep my faith. But you can be doing the right thing the wrong way. And in Jesus' day and age, there was a group of people, they were doing the right thing. They were praying to the Lord. But the problem is they were doing it the wrong way. They were making it all about themselves. They were just going on and on and on about it. And when they prayed, they felt the need to list out all of their needs to God As if God did did not already know their needs. And so if you turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 today in your Bibles, we'll have it on the screens for you as well. We're going to go through a couple verses. The first part, Jesus says, hey, don't pray this way. And then he gives some instructions on how to pray. The second part is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. So if you'll turn there with me today, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. This is what Jesus says. He's given some instructions. He says, when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, to, st- to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, and this is the important part here, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And verse seven, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. A couple things I, wanna, I want you to draw your attention to your prayers, your personal prayers should never be for show. I think a lot of times people pray publicly and it's, it looks like they don't have a personal prayer life because. It's like they try to use the biggest words they can. They, they, they try to impress other people, and, and, and they're very eloquent. And, and, you know, if you have a great vocabulary, that's perfectly fine. I'm not trying to say you should dumb it down for the rest of us. But sometimes you can just tell. Like you hear people praying, maybe it's on TV or somewhere, and it just sounds like they're just trying to be the most well-spoken person in the room. And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't pray just to be seen by others. And I want to also share this with you. This really freed me When I was learning more about prayer, uh, Jesus said, he says, when you pray, you don't have to keep babbling on because those people think they're going to be heard for their many words. Let me tell you something that's going to free a lot of you today. Your prayer length does not equal your devotion to God. Your prayer length does not equal your devotion to God. If you can pray for an hour, praise the Lord. Pray for an hour. There's nothing wrong with praying for an hour. If you can pray for 30 minutes, pray for 30 minutes. If you can pray for five, pray for five. If you cannot pray for five minutes, if you just go right down the road and drive on Woodruff Road, about 5 o'clock, you'll have all the time that you need to pray. Okay? Your prayer length does not equal your devotion to God. And I want you to know this, that God knows your needs already. Okay, there's nothing wrong with presenting your needs to God. We, we pray over the needs of this church every single Sunday, but you don't have to go to God every single time you pray every day and say, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. When I approach God that way, a lot of times I leave my prayer time discouraged because I'm like, man, I got a lot of needs, <laughs> you know, but when I, when I go to God and I pray the way he taught me how to pray, he teaches us how to pray in the Bible, it, it makes me feel completely different. It makes me feel very encouraged. So, today I'm going to share with you. uh, I've just got a couple verses. It's uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and it's known as the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to put it on the screen for you, and in a moment we're going to read it together. But I want you to notice this this little phrase, this little sentence that Jesus starts off with in verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he goes, This then is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is what you should pray. He doesn't say you have to pray this prayer this exact same way. He doesn't say memorize this pray, prayer and pray it as often as you can. Okay? I've been around a lot of people that want to recite the Lord's Prayer. Okay? I've seen it in movies where like, people are praying and it's like the default, our Father who art in heaven. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but when Jesus gave us these instructions, he didn't tell you this so that you would memorize it. He doesn't say when you pray, pray like, like this exact way these exact phrase, phrases, he says, this is how you should pray. In other words, it's a, it's a framework, it's a blueprint, it's an outline, or I like to refer to it as the ingredients for prayer. So I want to do this. I want us to read it together out loud. He says, this then is how you should pray. Let's read it together. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus lists here uh, in a paragraph form several ingredients for uh, what he's looking for in your personal prayer life. And I want to make that distinction your personal prayer life. Sometimes when you pray for others or you're praying for needs or you're praying for healing, it may sound a, lot, a little bit different, but I'm talking about your ongoing relationship with God. When you pray every single day and when you spend time with the Lord, this is what it should sound like, okay? So the first ingredient that I want to talk to you about today is that you would know God, that you would know God. He opens the, opens the example prayer by saying, our Father in heaven. Jesus, is his first uh, expectation of you the first thing that he desires in your life is that you would know him and that you would have a personal relationship with him now just to be clear anybody can pray you don't have to be a Christian to pray anybody can call out to God but he wants you first and foremost to have a relationship with him if you go down the hallways of this church there's four signs that hang on the walls in the lobby and the first one in order and we do it this way on purpose the first one is it says no God because that is our first and foremost goal for your life, is that you know God on a personal level. Jesus says our Father in heaven, the, the relationship that you're supposed to have with God is how a father loves his child. Now, you may be in the room and you may say, hey, I don't have like a great relationship with, with my dad. Okay? And, th- and that's okay, just for the sake of our conversation today. Let's just imagine the relationship you had with that one person growing up that you know just loves you unconditionally? Could have been a parent. For many of you, it probably was. Uh, It could have been a coach. It could have been a teacher. Maybe it's a pastor for you, a mentor. But who in your life loves you unconditionally? Who in your life was proud of you even when you lost the game? Who in your life was proud of you even when you didn't do well on that test? That relationship that you have with that person is very similar to the relationship that God wants to have with you. He wants to be your Father in heaven who loves you unconditionally. Scripture tells us that that the Lord knows at any given time the exact number of hairs on your head, on your body, and for some of you, it's more than others. Okay? But Jesus' goal for you, the first thing, is that that you would know God. You would know Jesus like your Father in heaven. And I want to tell you this today. Maybe you found yourself in the room and you don't have a, a relationship with God uh, for whatever reason, you came to this church today. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming. Welcome home. We're glad. We're so glad that you are here. You can keep coming as, as much as you want long before you ever believe you belong here at this church. And we just want to say you can, you can keep coming. But I do want to tell you this. Make no mistake about it. That as a church, as pastors here, as a church family, our goal for you is that you would know God. We're not just here to sing songs. We're not just here to have cookouts. We're not just here to have small groups. All those things are great. But ultimately, our goal is that you would know God. Our mission statement as a church is that we would journey with you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And I can tell you, the first stop on that train is in a relationship with him. And and in this prayer, that's why Jesus opens with this. He says, our Father in heaven, he wants you to know God personally. And if you don't know God today, towards the end of my message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. To have a personal relationship with your creator. But he starts off with prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, talking about knowing God, and then he moves on to the second ingredient. He says, Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, one thing about me, I'm not real smart. Uh, I grew up in South Georgia where a lot of people can barely read and write, okay? So I did cross that threshold in my life. So thank you for believing and praying for me. All right. I promise I can read and write. Um, but hallowed was a word I didn't really know what it meant. It, as a kid, it looked a lot like Halloween. And I just kind of rolled with that. I was like, I don't really know how this makes sense, but, you know, it's, it's okay. It's got the same root word. I learned about that in school. Uh, but as I got older, I realized it's actually two totally different things. So the word hallowed, I'm going to use a couple church words, and then I'll explain it in more layman's terms. Hallowed means to be uh, sanctified. Maybe you've heard that word before, a sanctified or consecrated. But what it really means is to be set apart for God, to be set apart, to be used by God. Um, A lot of people would interpret this as being holy, being like God so that he can use you. This is how I interpret it, and I think it's pretty straightforward. I think this is what Jesus meant. When you pray, you should say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You should worship God. That's the second ingredient. You should worship God. So how does hallowed play into that, hallowed be your name? When you pray that, what you're saying is, Lord... Let me be set apart in such a way that brings you glory. In other words, Lord, let me worship you with how I live my life. So when you pray, pray, God, you're my Father in heaven. I wanna have a deep relationship with you. But second thing, you should say, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to worship you with how I live my life. I want to worship you with the decisions that I make. I want to worship you with how I do my job. I want to worship you with how I treat my spouse. I want to worship you with how I lead my family. Every aspect of your life is an opportunity for you to worship God. And I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful that worship is so much more than music, okay? Uh, You know, my whole life, I've I've wanted to be a singer, and I took some voice lessons. And I I started out like a 1 out of 10, and after like two years of voice lessons, I'm proud to say I'm a 3 out of 10 on, on the vocal chart, okay? But you know what? You don't have to be a good singer to make a joyful noise to the Lord, Emphasis on to the Lord, okay? It may not be a joyful noise to anybody else, but to the Lord, if you're singing and your heart's in the right place, all right, it's a joyful noise to him. I know for me, when I'm alone, uh, whether it's in the car, in the shower, wherever, I like to sing, and I I sing really loud. Uh, I turn the worship music up real loud so that I can't really hear myself, and uh, I just sing. And and one of my favorite songs to sing is is an old church song, okay? And by special request, I'm going to sing it to you guys today. Is that okay? All right. I'm gonna sing it to it, you and you're gonna you're gonna be like, yes, that is a joyful noise to the Lord, okay, Him and Him only. But but my favorite, one of my favorite songs to sing is this old song called "Because He Lives." You guys know that song. Some of you probably know. It. This is how the song it goes: Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives. cut it off right there because for the sake of time, all right, plus I don't want anybody to leave prematurely. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Yeah, Pastor Will, can I join the worship team? Thank you. I saw that, yes, that's awesome. But when you pray, you should pray that you can know God personally as your loving Heavenly Father, and when you pray, you should pray that your life is representation of a life where you are worshiping God. And then the third thing, he says this, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he means to say by that is when you pray, you need to pray that God's perfect will for your life and for everyone else and for our world comes to fruition. You should pray his plan and purpose for your life. I told you guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm always honest, but today I'm a little bit extra honest. Uh, Growing up, I did not want to be a pastor. It was not really a, a desire of mine. I went to churches where the services were real long, real, real long. Okay. Real long, and I used to fall asleep under the pews. Okay, I probably shouldn't admit this publicly, but you know, if you grew up in a church where people were like slain in the spirit, sometimes I just lay down. I just lay down. I just take a nap. And they're like, "Look at it, he's worshiping the Lord." I'm like, I'm, "I'm worshiping. I'm doing it." Okay. But I never really wanted to be a pastor. That was not like a desire of mine as a kid. I wanted to be a firefighter. Uh, later on, uh, I started about middle school. I started kind of feeling a feeling a stirring in my heart to go into ministry, and I. Those days I was excited about it, and a lot of days I wasn't. I I really thought I was going to go into the military, maybe be like a pilot or something like that. But the more I prayed and the more I sought after God, it became more and more evident in my life that his plan for me was different than my plan for me. And I knew that if I was going to follow Jesus, I couldn't just listen to his voice when it was convenient for me. I had to listen to his voice all the time. And the more I prayed and the more I sought the Lord, it became so evident in my life that what I was supposed to be doing is what I'm doing right now. And I, I want to make something really clear to you. Um, the, the, the pinnacle of being a Christian is not being a pastor, okay? Like, I'm a person just like you. Ask my wife, okay? She'll tell you. Uh, I, I make mistakes too. I, I'm no better than anybody else. Being a pastor doesn't make you any better of a Christian than, any, than anybody else. But I can tell you That when you are living in God's perfect plan and purpose for your life, it's the greatest adventure that you could ever be on. And so I want to encourage you in your prayer time, pray his specific plan for your life. I I just want to talk to just our students for a second. As you guys are are getting ready and and you're finishing high school eventually um, and you're praying about what to do, don't choose the route that's necessarily the most convenient or don't choose the route that necessarily pays the most money. You choose the route that God puts in your heart. And I believe that God calls some of us to be pastors and he calls more of us to be teachers and he calls some people to be parents and doctors and lawyers and so many things. Whatever it is that God has called you to, if you will live according to that purpose, it will change your life forever. Can you guys agree with me? Is that true? Pray his plan and purpose for your life. Ask yourself this when you pray. Lord, what do you want from me? I want your perfect plan for my life. Our next ingredient is this. You need to depend on on God. Jesus says this in verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Let me ask you this. Who loves bread? Yes. 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 Praise the Lord for bread. It's awesome. Uh, I try to choose the restaurants that give out the free bread, <laughs> right? My favorite place to go is like Texas Roadhouse and they've got those hot, like steamy, just hot. You guys do praise the Lord. Amen for that. I see your brother. Okay. All right. I love the free bread, and they got like that apple butter. Sometimes I run out of bread, and I just put the spoon in there. You know, it's it's so good. Don't judge me. All right, you do it too. All right, I love I love free bread. I love the I love free bread. Uh, Crimson and I, my wife, we were watching the Chosen. It's a it's a TV show uh, that pretty much go, uh, is based off the life of Jesus. And there's a scene there in the episode we just watched where there's some kids sitting around, and they ask Jesus this question, and. Uh, this particular exchange, it's not recorded in scripture, but the TV show, they kind of give like little backstories to kind of help, you know, move the story along. And the, and the kids, they go, Jesus, what's your favorite food, favorite food? And Jesus goes, it's bread. And I was like, my man gets me. He knows exactly what I'm going through, man. Uh, in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. And I remember when I read that, I was like, he gets me. You know, I, I really understand the gospel now. I get it. Jesus refers to himself as the greatest thing ever, bread. He says, I am the bread of life. But I want to point something out to you. He says, give us today our daily bread. He doesn't say give us our weekly bread or our monthly bread. So imagine going to one of these restaurants, and you're expecting to get that fresh, hot bread from Longhorn or Outback or Texas Roadhouse or wherever, and they come to you and they say, I'm sorry, sir, we actually don't have any fresh bread, but we did make some two weeks ago, and we'll, we'll happily bring it to your table. Okay, would you be upset about that? I would, okay. But hang with me for a second. How many of us are still living off the bread from God that we got two weeks ago? How many of us, and I'm not trying to judge you, if you come to church once a month, praise the Lord. We'd love for you to be here every week, but whatever, you know, whatever is going on in your life. But can I tell you, you can't experience Jesus once a month and think you're going to make it. Because I've had nasty moldy bread before, and you can only cut so much mold off, it still smells bad. Y'all ain't never been in college before? Okay. <laughs> you do what you got to do. <laughs> but we, listen, we can't, rely, we can't rely on the bread from two weeks ago. Yeah. And when Jesus is telling us this, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And he knows that we need him every single day. So I would encourage you, if, if you, even if you don't have an hour or 30 minutes, if you could just spend a few minutes every single day and say, Lord, give me my daily bread. Now, what does he mean by that? Okay. He means to say, rely on God for your everyday needs. Rely on God for your everyday needs. Don't just rely on God for your emergencies, okay? We need to rely on God for our daily needs as well. There's a pastor that um, I follow. He's a great teacher. And he says this, that prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. Make God a favorite contact in your phone, not just the 911 call, all right? But when you pray, these are several ingredients. We want you to know God. Jesus says Know God, our Father in heaven. Worship God. Pray his plan. Depend on God. And then the next thing he says is this. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, this word debts, uh, it also means like transgressions or sins. It's pretty much, uh, Lord, forgive me, the th- forgive me of the things that I've done wrong against you and forgive me of the things that I've done wrong against people. And I kind of put this on my own words, and I said, when you pray, you need to pray to make things right with God and people. Make things right with God And people. Can I tell you something today? It's gonna sound like heresy, okay? It's gonna sound, you're gonna be like, no one's ever said this before. It's gonna sound wrong, but I'm gonna explain it and I promise it's not, okay? When you pray, you do not have to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, okay? Because by asking if he can, you're implying that he might not. When you pray, you don't have to ask, Jesus, will you forgive me? Because we know that he's already gonna forgive us. But when you pray, you confess your sins to Jesus. And it's like every time you say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I messed up, he goes, boom, forgiven. Over and over again. Every time you list out your sins, saying, Lord, I confess this, I'm struggling with this, I, I messed up, he goes, you're forgiven. It was brought to my attention, and I knew the scripture, but I didn't originally have it in my sermon, but it was brought to my attention that 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful to forgive us. So you don't have to ask for forgiveness, but we can confess our sins, and Jesus automatically forgives us. And I also want to say this, too. We can't become a people who are really great at prayer, but then we're terrible with other people. I, I shared this uh, sc- a message a couple weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago with our students. Uh, it comes out of Acts, I think it's chapter three, where Peter and John, uh, they're on their way to uh, their daily prayer. So back in those days, they had prayer services at the synagogue three times a day. And so they're, they're going to the, um, I believe it's the last one of the day. And so everyone's going in there for prayer, but there's a guy who's, who's been disabled his whole life. And he's sitting there at the gate, Uh, outside like the courts to where the temple is, and he's asking people for money. He's like, hey, can you give me some money? Can you give me some money? And sure, people walk past him, and they occasionally give him a coin or a dollar or whatever, and they keep on going. But Peter and John show up, and they say, hey, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And in that moment, uh, God completely heals him. Now, the point I made to the students here, and I want to bring it to your attention as well, that for years this guy had been passed over by people who were going to a prayer meeting, and they would just flip him a coin and go his way. And sure, he was asking for money, but the thing he needed the most was prayer. And I think it's so wild that people can become so great at prayer, but yet not see the needs of the people around them. And I don't think I, 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 my hope in prayer is that we're we're more like Peter and John than the people who are like going to the services. We can't become people who are so great at coming to church and we're so great at singing, and we're so great at praying, but then we're terrible at forgiving other people. And I can tell you, if you wonder if God answers prayers, let me tell you the fastest prayer that God's ever answered in my life. Jesus, would you let me know who I need to forgive? When you pray that, somebody will pop in your head pretty much immediately, okay? And maybe today when you leave, maybe when you spend some time in prayer in these 14 days of prayer, maybe God will bring somebody to your mind. Maybe for you, it's a Somebody used to work for or maybe for you it's maybe a parent or, or maybe, uh, you know, your ex or something like that. And I'm not saying to forgive someone you have to call that person up and rehash everything. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you can forgive someone in your heart. And there may be an opportunity for you to call them and make things right. But even if that would be a little awkward or even though that's just not, maybe it's not possible, maybe that person has passed away, you can still forgive in your heart and move on with your life. God desires for us to be in a healthy relationship with him and other people Make things right with God. Our next ingredient for prayer, Jesus says this in verse 13. He says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This actually is not a very good translation. If you didn't know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and it's been translated to hundreds of different languages, and obviously we're reading it today in English. But this is not a great translation. A better translation would say, Uh, let us not be led into temptation because Jesus is never going to lead you into temptation. I just want to be clear on that. So God does not lead you like, come on, time for temptation. Like, he doesn't do that, okay? Uh, A better translation is, Lord, help me to not be led by the enemy, Satan, into temptation. I have found this, that if Satan can't stop you from believing and trusting and following Jesus, he'll do everything he can to distract you from doing it well. I have found that no one is ever tempted to do something that they don't like. You will never go into the kitchen of your house in the middle of the night and see your kid eating food and go, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, sorry, Mom. I just really wanted some broccoli. <laughs> it's never going to happen. It's never happened in the history of mankind. If it has, come tell me, and I'll change my sermon for next time. Okay. <laughs> it's never even happened. Uh, you're, you're never tempted to do something that you hate or don't like. Uh, you, you're never going to be tempted to overpay on your taxes. You know, I probably shouldn't send them more money, but bless God. I just really want to send them another thousand this year. Okay? You're not going to be tempted to do something that you don't like. You're not going to be tempted to have an affair with someone that you can't stand to be around. Why am I I telling you this? Because as a kid, I thought Satan was the cartoon character, you know, the one with the tail and the triangle on the end. And he had the pitchfork. It also didn't help that the high school I went to, our mascot was the demons. And, yeah, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. And they said, they're like, it's named after the airplanes, the screaming demons. I'm like, well, then why is there a guy with a pitchfork in his hand in the end zone who shoots out fireworks every time he score a touchdown, okay? But a lot of times people think of the devil that way. They think of the devil as this cartoon character. And when you think of him like that, you really do yourself a disservice because you can't properly prepare for when you see him in your life, okay? What I have found is the devil doesn't show up in your life as the cartoon character. He shows up in your life as everything you've ever wanted. That's not a part of God's plan for your life. He may show up in in your life with you um, not following God's plan and making this other decision because you're going to make more money. Nothing wrong with making more money, but is that God's exact plan or are you tempted to make the wrong decision for the sake of financial gain? He shows up in your life maybe in the form of a person that you work with and you convince yourself that they have all the things missing or they, they have all the things that are missing from your relationship with your spouse. The devil tries his best to distract you and to get you off God's plan. My prayer when I pray is I say, Lord, I know that I'm going to be tempted, but can you help me recognize it and see it from a mile away? That's my prayer. Lord, help me to not be led into temptation. Help me to see it when it comes. And can I tell you, God answers that prayer too. There's sometimes I can can see it coming and I'm like, you know, if I'm not careful in this area, I can see myself going down this path. I need some guardrails. I need some things in my life that are going to protect me from that. So once again, when you pray, pray that you know God like a father, that you worship God with how you live your life. Pray his plan and purpose for, for your life. Depend on God for your daily needs. Make things right with God and people. Forgive others and, and confess your sins. Confront the enemy every chance you get. And lastly, he ends the scripture by saying this. He says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I want you to give God the credit when you pray. Give God the credit. Ultimately, we, just like Jesus said, this is God's kingdom. He's the king. There can only be one king. And let me let you in on a little secret. You're not the king. And I'm not either, okay? But God is the king, and we live in his kingdom. And so when you pray, when you're in your prayer, you can say, Lord, it's your kingdom, and I'm just living in it. Lord, thank you for being in control, and thank you for being in charge of my life. The next thing is, is his power. You say, Lord, only you have the power to change things, and only you have the power to change people. Certainly people can change on their own, but I'm talking about the lifetime change, the life change that happens can only happen through God. God, you alone have the power to change things and to change situations and change my life. And then lastly, you say, Lord, it's for your glory. I'm giving you all the credit. I'm giving you all the credit for the blessings. I'm giving you credit for the good times and the bad times. It's because I know for me personally, the bad bad times is what made me who I am. I want to tell you this today, that these are the seven ingredients. That's all I got today. These are the seven ingredients for a successful, for a wonderful, personal prayer life. I want to challenge you when you pray. You don't have to pray for an hour. You don't necessarily have to pray in a specific room. You don't have to let the only time you pray be in this church. Okay, can I tell you something? Uh, this church it is, is not a building. It's you guys. Yeah, come on. The church is a group of people. This is just sheet rock and steel. And I'm thankful for the building. I, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to gather here, and I love air conditioning, right? But ultimately... You guys are God's people, and everywhere you go, that's where God inhabits. And I want to challenge you. These are the seven ingredients for prayer. If you want to see things shift in your life, pray these seven things when you pray. If you want to be a better husband, a better a better wife, a better spouse, a better parent, pray these seven things when you pray. If you want to see things shift in your life, if you want a renewed vision and a renewed focus, If you're looking for peace in your life and you're looking for wisdom and you're looking for God to guide you, pray these seven things. And these aren't my seven things. I didn't come up with it. This is literally from the mouth of Jesus recorded in Scripture. He says this then is how you should pray. He says you don't have to keep babbling on like the pagans do. You don't have to pray for the sake of other people. You can spend intimate time with your heavenly Father praying these seven things, and I can promise you something will change in your life. I'll say this, you know, I used to think that when I prayed that God would always change my circumstances. You know, I've shared with you guys before that uh, I come from a broken home, my my parents are divorced, and I remember as a little kid praying that my parents would get back together. Uh, It was a little problematic, though, because they were both remarried. (laughs) I'm not saying God couldn't have done it, it just would have got real interesting. But the reason I say that is so many times we pray and we wonder... Why isn't God changing our circumstances? I want to tell you this, that when you pray, God doesn't always change your circumstances, but he always changes you. And I have found a lot of times the circumstances didn't change, but I got stronger because I was relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in my life. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances, but God always uses it to change us. As promised today, I want to give you an opportunity to know God as your personal Savior, You know, we believe this here here as a church that, that Jesus came down from heaven to earth and he lived a perfect, sinless life, but yet he was crucified. He was nailed to a cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb, but on the third day he rose again through the power of God and later on he ascended into heaven and because he overcame death himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through his power, You can overcome tragedy in your life. You can overcome death in your life. You can overcome suffering in your life. And I'm not saying that all those things go away. I'm saying you can overcome it through the power of God working in your life. And can I tell you this? If you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, it's the greatest adventure you could ever go on. I'll never forget the day that I gave my heart to the Lord. He changed my life forever. It wasn't long after that that I, even though I mentioned earlier that I struggled with my call of maybe being like a pastor as my job, but I, I knew this. I knew that God had changed me and I said, Lord, whether I'm a pastor or not, I'm going to share my story and I'm going to tell other people about what you've done in my life for the rest of my life. And you may have found yourself in the room today and you say, you know what, this all sounds great, pastor, but I don't have a relationship with God. I'm going to give you that opportunity to make a commitment to Jesus to say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me and I believe that you rose again. I'm gonna give you that opportunity. And I wanna speak directly to our online crowd as well. You may be watching live right now, one of our services, or you may be watching a little bit later on demand. You may even be one of my family members who is watching this message right now. I wanna encourage you today too, just because you're not in the room, doesn't mean that you can't experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, because God does not live in this room. He lives in each and every one of us, and He's all present and He's all powerful. He's everywhere all the time. And even in your living room or in your car, even on demand, Right now, Jesus can come into your life and change it forever. So church, can we do this right now? Can, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads just for a moment? But if today's the day and you say, you know what, I want to know Jesus as my Father in heaven. I want to know him as my personal Savior. I'm gonna say a short prayer today. And if you haven't noticed already from the sermon, the exact words you use is not important. But what's important is your heart behind it. And so as I pray this prayer, I want you to take it. I want you to put it in your own words. You can add a few words if you like, because this is really just between you and God. But you may pray something like this. You may say, dear Jesus, I know I've made some mistakes, but I want to know you. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I want to know you as my Father in heaven. Today's the day I admit that I've done some things wrong, But I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I want you to come in my life and change it forever. Today's the day. I'm committing my life to you. I'm going all in. There's no looking back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I want to challenge you. uh, If you made that your prayer today. As you exit uh, our room, we, we've got a, a resource for you. It's a little book, and it just says following Jesus, following Jesus. You can take it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. You can take that with you. Um, we'd love to have a conversation with you just to make sure we're connecting with you, getting you getting you the information. There's also a number on the screen behind me. You can, you can text that number, and uh, someone from our staff, one of our pastors, will just reach out to you this week just to love on you, encourage you, and just see if there's anything that we can do to, to help you. But I want to challenge us as a church, as we go into these 14 days, it kicks off today, we're going into 14 days of prayer. You know, we're going to have some prayer groups, and I know we're going to have some prayer calls, and we've got a prayer guide, and there's some resources on our website for you as well. But I want to encourage you, when you pray for the next 14 days, I want you to pray these seven ingredients in your prayer time. You don't have to do them in the exact order that I did. You don't have to use the exact words that I did. You can turn to Matthew chapter 6 yourself, starting in verse 9 through 13. And as you read through the Lord's Prayer, take it and put it in your own words. When you pray, it may sound something like this. You may say, Lord, today I want to know you as my Father in heaven. I want to worship you with my life. Lord, I want to pray your plan for me today. Lord, whatever you want for me today, whatever your will is, let that be done. Lord, help me to depend on you for my every need. Let me come back to you every day to depend on you. Lord, help me to forgive others. Lord, I confess my sins to you because I know you're faithful to forgive me. Help me make things right with you and everyone else. Lord, I confront the enemy. Help me see temptation from a mile away. Lord, help me resist the devil when he's close to me. And Lord, through it all, it's your kingdom. You're in control of my life. Lord, it's only your power who can make a difference. And Lord, we give you all the glory, all the glory and all the credit in my life. Make that your prayer. I promise you for the next 14 days and things will happen in your life, things will change in your life. If not your circumstances, it will definitely be you. Church, thank you so much for allowing me to share today. Thank you so much for praying that prayer. We'd love to connect with you in the lobby. And ultimately, our goal for you as a church is that we can journey with you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Thanks so much.